Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode number 89. It's time for a Texas Tech preview as we get to Big 12 Conference play here on uh, this 2023 regular season for your Mountaineers. You are in the gun. I'm Wesley Euler with uh, my full voice back here. How about that? It's about darn time. It only took me four days to get my vocals back, gentlemen. But we're here. I think we're sounding much better. And, of course, as always, I've got the best teammates in the business, the runaway beer truck, Big Owen Schmidt, and, of course, the signal caller, Jed Drenning. This episode of ITG brought to you in part, as always, by our friends at Online. Gentlemen, feels good to be back. I tell you what, I mean, I don't sound like Dana Holgerson anymore. I don't sound <laughs> like, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a well, yeah, Patrick and SpongeBob. I, I think I just sound like host Wesley Euler again. So it's good to be back. Good to be with you guys once again. It's good to hear your beautiful voice again, Wes. I and his hair. Look, no hat. Voice is back. He's got his hair for those not watching on YouTube. He has, his, he has no hat on tonight. No. But it's endearing wise. It really was. I think I, I think you won a lot of people over. I was going to say there were a lot of people in the comments that were like, Wes, your voice had me ready to run through a wall. Wes, uh, Owen, uh, Meg was like, you know, hey, I'm, I sound the same way here still on a Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I sounded terrible Sunday, terrible Monday. Tuesday was a little bit better. I have to do actually it's funny on the uh, on the Steelers network. I have to do the intro to the Mike Tomlin press conference on Tuesdays. And it's literally like five minutes. Like it's, it's me. Mike Tomlin's press conferences are around noon on Tuesdays. You know, there's usually a few minutes of wiggle time there. So the Steelers go live at noon and I have to fill that three, four, five minutes till Mike Tomlin actually gets to the podium. And so when it's like, it's like 1155 and I'm sitting in my studio and my boss pokes his head and he's like, you, you all right to do this? Like, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. At that, at that point yesterday, I was probably like 80, 85% of the way back. So I could fake it for four or five minutes to, to not sound terrible. But it was a rough couple of days. But, hey, we all did it for our Mountaineers, baby. I just – I keep laughing. I keep thinking back. I, I, I lost my voice for three or four days. Um, you know, I barely got any sleep, nice and hung over. And I have to spend five hours at Irvin's towing who, again, they're just, they're one step, half step above Pat Narduzzi on my bleep list right now. <laughs> I just spent five hours at Irvin's towing, waiting to get my car back. I had to spend $300 to get my car back, left my wife hanging at home all day with, with two girls under the age of two. But you know what? We beat Pitt, and that's all that matters, right? It's that thin line between agony and ecstasy. I mean, if we would have lost to Pitt, it would have been the worst weekend ever. But we take care of business and all that bad stuff. Who cares, baby? We beat Pitt. Of course, Wes, you're a WVU grad. So I know right now that wasn't your first time being towed in Morgantown. You know what? It's actually – I'm glad you brought that up. And no, we did not play in this. I lived in Morgantown for five years. Okay, a little over five years, actually, because it took me four and a half years to graduate. I did one extra semester and then I worked for DTV in Clarksburg uh, for about eight months. So I actually lived in Morgantown for a little over five years. I never got towed once. Wow, that might be a record. And this is the first time I've ever visited my sister. I mean, like like I should say stayed overnight. Right. Because my sister was a freshman last year and like I'm not staying in the dumb way too old to stay in the dorms. All right. But I can <laughs> stay I can stay in an apartment in Sunnyside. That's much more reasonable. Right. Um, 
this is the first time I ever stayed with my sister in Morgantown. She's a sophomore now, right? Just got her own place like a few weeks ago, a month ago. Uh, and yeah, I get towed. That's just, that's the way life goes, doesn't it? Oh, and I don't know about you. I swear I was like two or three times a year. Maybe West just parks better than me, right? <laughs> you know? Well, to be fair too, I mean, those times that I was living there, I actually had like a parking spot and all those things. And, you know, a lot of times then you would just, you know, when you're in school, I would go four or five days without driving my car, you know, cause you're just, like, you're going like, to class. Like, you're. I remember one night, like me and my buddy got together, we had a psych final. And we're like, hey, let's study for a couple hours over at your place. And he was like off Stewartstown Road. And uh, so I, I parked for a couple hours. I go back out to my car. It's gone. I'm like, I'm like in his spot, my, in my buddy's spot for his apartment. And I got towed. He didn't have a parking pass. It was his spot. I'm like, everybody has these uh, stories that I'm working. Everyone, town. everyone. That's oh, funny. man. And so, I was, I was go ahead, big up. in Morgantown, dude. Brook Tower. I used to like. I, I never paid for a pass freshman year and like I would park my car in front and then the meter lady would come by and she'd chalk my tires. So I'd go move it real quick. So that like the tire mark was moved. You know what I mean? She'd chalk it again. They give you the <laughs> warning, right? They give you, they right. give you like yeah. the chalk warning, right? Yeah. The and then eventually okay, she yeah, was yeah. like, dude, you're getting a ticket. I'm like, dude, you're come like, on. It's been moved every time. You were like, I'm yeah, the beer so truck lady. All right. Just calm down. That was even yeah. that was pre that was pre beer truck that was uh that was a pubescent beer truck. You were just Owen. You were just Owen at that point. Yes. Just yeah, I was a. Transfer. I was a kid where like everybody was like, "Yeah, okay, dude, like you're not gonna play on the football team. Like you came from D three. Like you're not playing." Yeah, little did they know, brother. It's a, it's, it really is. It's kind of a rite of passage in Morgantown West. So it is finally after so many years. It, Welcome. Yeah, you got one. I've been, I've been, I've been going to games there multiple times a year since I was seven. I lived there, like I said, for a little over five years. I, you know, I've, I've been back having my own season tickets since 2018 when my wife moved, my wife and I moved from Philadelphia back to Pittsburgh. And I was, you know, 90 minutes away from Morgantown once again. It's funny how life works, fellas. So I didn't tell this part of the story because I couldn't talk when we were doing our, our pit recap. Right. But one little last anecdote for you that you guys will get here. Right. So, I told I told my wife I was like I mean I I left I left here in Pittsburgh I left our house at 10 a.m. on Saturday right because I wanted to get down there I wanted to get set up you guys talked about the big tailgate that I had right I mean it's a, a day I've been waiting for for 12 years um first real night game on a Saturday that we've had in years as well too right so I left at like 10 a.m. on Saturday Le left my wife you know with with two girls under the age of two but I said to her I was like babe I will be home early tomorrow morning I promise you. I said, to her, I said to her, I said, I said, no matter what happens, I said, even if I'm out till we win and I'm out till three in the morning drinking, which is exactly what happened. I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm getting up at seven 30 and I'll be home by nine, nine 15 at the like, right. I was like, I will be home well before 10 o'clock. That was my promise to her. And I get up at seven 30 on, you know, four hours of drunken sleep. And I walk out of my sister's apartment in Sunnyside and I'm like, my car's my car's really gone. Right. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, well, Morgantown got at this point. I'm like, Morgantown got me. My car got towed. Let's figure this out and let's get out of here. I'm still naive to think, okay, this won't be that much of a delay. <laughs> I call the towing company that's on the sign of the, like, you know, all those apartment complexes yeah, in Morgantown yeah. have signs that say towed by whoever. Towed with pride. I, I call the towing company. Some lady answers. 
and I said, Hey, you know, I'm at, I'm at U club in Sunnyside. Um, I, I think you guys towed my car and she goes, what, what, what car do you have? And I said, I got a, I got a, a, a Toyota RAV4, silver, silver Toyota RAV4. And there's like a 30 second, 45 second pause. And she goes, yeah, I'm looking at the logs here. We didn't tow any cars from, from, from U club last night in Sunnyside. We didn't tow from there at all. And I said, okay, you sure? And she was like, yeah, I'm positive. We, we, I got, I got nothing from there last night, honey. I'm sorry. And I'm just kind of like, okay, again, I'm bare. I'm just waking up at this point. I'm hung over. Like I'm a piece of my life together. Right. Yeah. So she, so we hang up and I go, did somebody steal my car? So I go back oh, inside no. of my, I go back inside of my sister's apartment at this point. Cause it's raining outside a little bit too Sunday morning, seven 30. And I'm like, I'm going to, I got to get inside and figure this out. So I'm like, my sister's name's grace. I'm like, grace, I think somebody stole my car. Like, I and, and I'm like, should I, I like, I'm, she's like, you're going to call the police. And I said, I'm calling the towing company back one more time. So I call the towing company back one more time. Same lady answers. I go, I'm really sorry to bother you again. It's me. The guy with no voice who's asking about his car. I was like, I'm thinking about calling the police because I think my car might've gotten stolen. Can you just double check for me one more time, please? And make sure it's not there before I call the police. And she goes, yeah, no problem. Tell me, tell me your car again. Give me your license plate number. Puts me on hold this time for like two or three minutes. And she's like, I just walked through all of our vehicles. She's like, I promise you, there is no Toyota RAV4. There's no silver RAV4 in there. And I go, okay, it must have gotten stolen. Thank you so much for checking again for me. Call officer, right? I, I call I call 911. They, they dispatch me to the police. I'm on with the officer. He's getting all my details. Where'd you stay? What time did you park the car? All these different things. The towing company calls me. I hear a beep on my phone. It's the towing company calling me back. And I go, I go, can you can you hold for me, officer? The towing company's calling me back. Maybe this is good news here. And he goes, Yeah, no problem. So I go to the other line and they go, Hey, just so you know, we aren't the only ones who tow that parking lot. She the lady goes, I thought I'd tell you it's there's Irvin's towing as well, too, that tows from there as well. So make sure you call them and check. So I go back to the police officer. I tell him what happens and I go, can I call you back in five minutes? I'm going to call this other place and, and make sure my car's out there. So I call Irvin's the other place. The lady answers. It's like seven 50 at this point, eight o'clock. And she goes, uh, yeah, let me check for you. Puts me on hold for maybe not even 30 seconds, like real quick and goes, yep, we got your car here. We towed it at 4 AM last night. And I said, oh, thank God. That's so much better than it being stolen. I said, what time can I get it back? She said, 9 a.m. We'll have somebody here. I said, perfect. I can wait an hour. Call the police officer back. I'm sorry for wasting your time. It was at a different towing place. We're all good. I got the Irvins at 845. It was 155 before I got my car back. Oh. Five, five hours and 10 minutes before the dude showed up to let me get my car back. I, every hour I call, I felt so bad for the poor receptionist lady. I'm like, it's 10 o'clock. You said he'd be here at nine. And she's like, let me check. He's saying he'll be there at 11, 11, 15. I call back. It's 11. You guys, you said he'd be here. He's still not here at one o'clock. He'll be there. And, and eventually at, at 1:55, he finally showed up and I was able to get out of there. But yeah, I was on the phone with the Morgantown police department for a few minutes. Cause I actually thought my car got stolen there for a What's, little how bit. How much is it these days? 300 bucks. Oh, I'm going to date myself, guys. The first time I got towed, I think it was 35 bucks. Yeah. Not to mention not to mention the $17 Uber that I had to get to the towing company. <laughs> <laughs> so $317. Owen's, Owen's cracking up. Oh. If you want to be technical. <laughs> now, 
Speaking oh. of money, gentlemen, here's the good news. A quick headline before we go to break and get to our Texas Tech preview. Our only headline is not just my uh, my tales from Morgan. Listen, Morgantown got me this past weekend. It happens every once in a while. All right. I'm just happy that it happened on a weekend where we beat Pitt and nothing could wipe this grin off my face. Not Pat Narduzzi, not a $300 towing bill, none of that stuff. Um, trust logger, of course, which we all know is, you know, the, um, the country roads trust in, in collaboration, uh, with big timber, the beer that they sell 15% of every beer, uh, that money goes back to NIL. If, if, unless you've been living under a rock, you know what I'm talking about. It came out a few weeks ago. It's been all over social media. People have been looking through it all for out West Virginia and they sell it at Mountaineer field at Milan Pushkar stadium on game days. Well, the official Twitter account of trust logger, which you can all follow just quite simply at trust logger. They tweeted on Sunday afternoon, logger update. We have sold over 6,000 beers for the first two home games. Let's keep it up. Now, Jed, you did the math on here and we just went with a flat 6,000, right? Cause that could mean 6,010. That could mean 6,000 and a hundred, whatever. Let, we'll just go with 6,000. <laughs> if it's, uh, 15% of $11, that's $1.65 a beer that is going to our NIL fund. So through two games at Mountaineer Field, that's $9,900, almost ten grand. probably ten grand if you do factor in the, you know, the over 6,000 number there. But I tell you what, boys, for this just relatively getting started, for something that's going to obviously grow from here too as more and more people find out about Trust Logger and know that they can get it in the stadium and all these things, I tell you what, uh, 10, 10 grand is a, Hey, that's a nice little, that's a nice little, uh, early stipend to add to the NIL fund there. Absolutely. I'd like to see that number be like, you know, a hundred thousand beers. At those are, those are, those are rookie numbers in this racket. I, I know. I'm like, look, up. dude, and why hey, Morgan just... Town, do better. You can buy at least one a game. That's Everybody just, buys that's one. That's 60,000. That's just the stadium. It's picking up. It's just the stadium. The state. Yeah from a distribution standpoint. So uh, this is, this is really going to, going to make a mark, you know, it's really going to start to add up. It already is starting to add up, but yeah. Yeah, we're, we're just discussing what's been sold at the two games. We're not talking it, about what's it been would be cool as heck. Game. Like at the game, if they had like a, you know, one of those thermometers at like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it would fill up. Let's get to 20 grand this game. Yeah, <laughs> how much would they sell if if Owen gets your logger here? If we said That's Owen, the hey, get your ice cold beer. We yeah. need Owen. We need Owen yes. to promote it. That's it. Trust logger here. I trust. trust wait, why do trust logger here? Why do we sound like we're from? Why do we sound like we're from Boston all of a sudden? That's a good question. Yeah. Hey, because when you sell like beer, that's what like they all gang- sound like. We it's sound true. Like it is true. All those. Big O, Big O, you're right. It doesn't matter if you go to a Milwaukee Brewers game, uh, a Boston Red Sox game, uh, a Texas Rangers game. Eh, be here. You want some cotton candy and some cold beer? They're all gangsters from 1928. (laughs) I see what you're saying, Lefty. I, I agree with Owen. We need to pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. But I also think it, it's still a relative new concept. You guys know how those things take time. I think people like us that are active on social media and things like that know about it. But I think the word is still getting out there about Trust Logger. It's only a couple months old, to be fair. So if we're going to make about five grand a game for the first season, right? I mean, you'll take 30 grand. That'll be 30 grand by the end of the year if this pace maintains for, uh, for the NIL in just the stadium. 
Um, and then hopefully you grow that number number from there. Uh, but that was uh, that was pretty cool. Over six thousand. Now, obviously, that's not all beers in the stadium, right? Because people are still buying, you know, what they drink. But it's a nice start. It's a good baseline. But let's let's pump those let's pump those numbers up. Yeah, funnel it toward that. And and you know what? This is the probably the best spot in the show before we forget. Uh, Sixty one thousand people helped. That helped the cause, right? And look, every media function I've had this week, I go out of my way when people suggest to me, well, you're coming off that big crowd and that big game. What are you going to do against Texas Tech? I was like, look, the measure of a good fan base, and I've always said this to people who aren't from West Virginia who don't understand our fan base, the measure measure of a good fan base isn't what you do against your rival, what your fan base does from a turnout standpoint against your rival. It's what you do the week before your rival and what you do the week after your rival. That is the yardstick. That's the true barometer that you measure a solid fan base. So Mountaineer fans, Mountaineer Nation, we're, we've said it before. We'll say it again. You've heard Neil say it this week. You've heard everybody talk about it this week. If you can make the kind of difference against Texas Tech that you made Saturday night, which was a huge difference, mm -hmm. I mean, that is a true home field advantage. Show up, get loud get rowdy and make the same difference against Texas tech and the rest of them that you did against the pit Panthers. Amen. Yeah. 12 man's a real thing. Absolutely. It absolutely was. And like Owen said on our last podcast, that, that game last Saturday night felt like the old days. Yep. And uh, let's, let's keep that rolling this season. And, and, and let's, uh, let's start out positive. Cause I mean, listen, you got three home games here in a row you guys do the math on that you got to pay those back at some point right we're gonna have to go on the road um so let's uh let's take advantage of this this opportunity 330 kickoff too which in my opinion is the lord's time to kick off it's the best right it gives you it gives you enough time to tailgate and have fun in the morning but you're you still got your evening and it's not you know you're not getting home at two in the morning so uh good stuff if you're someone like me who has tickets but you can't go because I will unfortunately be on a plane to Las Vegas. That's the only time you'll ever hear somebody say, right? I'll unfortunately, unfortunately, I'm going to Vegas. Sorry, guys, I can't make it to the game. But obviously, the Steelers play on Sunday night football. If you listen to this podcast, you know I, I work for the Steelers. I have game day responsibilities that are ironclad in my contract. So I'll be flying out to Vegas Saturday, so I won't be able to go to the game. But my parents are taking my tickets, so I'm making sure they're not going to waste. And uh, yeah, my parents, my parents will be, I mean, not quite as, as rowdy as Wes Euler. All right. But they'll be in there making some noise. <laughs> Funny noise. Oh, all right. Let's take our first break here. We've talked about towing the car. We've talked about 6,000 trust loggers on the other side. We will talk about those Texas tech red Raiders. You are in the gun. Nobody supports the blue and gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guaranteed to, to save you thousands. thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at Toothman for more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. 
Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyd's of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations, with more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. Let's go, Mountaineer fans. You're tuned in to In the Gun with Wes, the runaway beer truck, and the signal caller. Back in the gun here. It's time to start the Big 12 Conference slate. And I tell you what, a very intriguing matchup to start Big 12 play this year for the Mountaineers. Texas Tech at home on Saturday, 3.30 kickoff. Jed, it's no secret, but in case you've forgotten or in case some of our listeners somehow missed it, we've not beaten Texas Tech since 2018. Since Will Greer was under center still for the Mountaineers. The four years since, 19, 20, 21, in last year, 22, Texas Tech has beaten us uh, two straight times at, at, at home, two straight times at their place. So it's it's a bit of a, uh, you know, it's a bit of a mountain to climb, if you will, for Neil Brown and company, a team that Neil Brown has not beaten in his tenure in WVU, a team that is, is Big Daddy Mariner shared with us. Malachi Ruffin is the only guy that was on the roster the last time mm-hmm. we beat Texas Tech. So, Jed, if we're going to get that bad taste out of our mouth, right, if we're going to get off the Red Raider schneid, uh, where's it begin? What's it look like? Well, let's talk about what played out last year. Uh, the buzzsaw that we ran into in Lubbock. It, it, that that whole game, guys, had a weird vibe. It really did. You had Baron Morton, the young quarterback, making his first start in front of that crowd. Uh, you, you had a situation where they were coming off a bye week. Okay, they were coming off a loss. As a matter of fact, Three of these four losses we've suffered to them, guys. All four losses, first of all, they were coming off a loss. But three of the four, they had a bye week to get ready for us. So this year they don't. Now, they had Tarleton State last week. I guess that's half a bye. But uh, last year they did have the bye. They they lost Oklahoma State in Stillwater, and they came home. They sulked over, had two weeks to get ready for us, get nice and salty. And they jumped out to the early lead. They jumped up on us 14 nothing about halfway through the first quarter. <clears throat> and the, the reason I say it had a weird vibe, the final score, oh, and normally when you're on the business end of a 48 to 10 beat down, it, it feels like that from soup to nuts, from beginning to end. This kind of didn't. It was like 17 to three. We slowed them down for the second quarter. They, they, they ambushed us early with those early possessions. Boom, 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 they're, they're way up. But then defensively, we kind of calibrated, slowed them down, kept getting the ball back for the offense, but the offense couldn't quite find any answers. And it was still 17-3 to in the final several minutes of the first half. And we had the ball inside their 30 twice. 
Uh, once we lost it on downs, you, you almost felt like we had a drive going. We're going to make it 17 to 10 before we go into the half. We get the ball first to start the second half. Inside the 30, first we lose it on downs. Now we go inside the 30, and JT puts a ball up deep, and, and the kid makes a heck of a play, and they pick it off. And it's like it was 17 to 3, but it, it almost felt closer than that. And then in the third quarter, they come out and they just they kind of went to town on us with two very quick scores. It's 31 to three game set match. And now the crowd's energized. The crowd's lathered up. They're starting to lean on us. And it, it didn't feel like a mismatch by any stretch. It was just it felt like the game got wildly out of control and they just capitalized and seized on all that momentum and kind of just took it out of us and put it on us. It it had a weird feeling for a 48 to 10 game is what I'm saying. Normally you, you walk out of a 38 eight point loss and you're thinking, wow, that team's 10 times better than us. Play that 10 times. You'll be lucky to win one. It didn't feel that way. It felt like, man, they, they made the absolute best of their circumstances. That's a good football team. And that, that that's kind of what you were looking at. Now, a couple things to point out about that game. Uh, this was before the new clock rules, so they ripped off 86 offensive snaps. They, they led the nation last year with 84 games. They were pretty much right on pace. They had almost 600 yards. They finished with 594. Now, as a frame of reference, that 594 is the highest yardage total sur surrendered by West Virginia since Neil Brown was hired in 2019. So <clears throat> they, they kind of just sp – they spread us out, you know – You've heard Taj talked about all week, Taj Brooks. He's he's an NFL back. He went over 100. Uh, Baron Morton throws over 300. Donovan Smith comes off the bench and throws another touchdown. I mean, they got all these big wide outs on the perimeter. Uh, they made the most with those kids. And, uh, you know, they they converted about half their third downs. But the biggest thing I remember is they were six of seven on fourth down. I mean, the second half, we literally just couldn't get them off the field. And that was uh, – that was the game that we've been thinking about and considering for 12 months. So the other thing is when people are saying, and I heard Neil mention this as well, when people are saying, well, man, how do you get ready for Tech after, after a rivalry game like that? Uh, how about just turn the tape on? First of all, how could you possibly forget what happened against Texas Tech, not just last year, but in the last four years, but just turn the tape on? And that's a wake-up call, right, Owen? Yeah. Um which he might do that. Um, uh, he's at least going to bring it up. Um, he's, and that's great, great material. Anyways, the, the billboard material for me this week, right. We're the underdogs again. Um, you know, I think it's what a six, what is it? What is it? Six point game. It moved six, up. Seven. Yeah. It's up now. The money was moving. The, the only attention I pay to these things is to see if there's any kind of movement to see what people are thinking about the matchup. And, uh, the the line changed so it, it was like at four and now it's like something like that yeah and now it's yeah up there or whatever but you know they have a great opportunity uh hopefully mountaineer nation comes to support in in the numbers it did last week and the la really the last two weeks uh, um the rain unfortunately uh when we played uh duquesne um but uh i think this week we're going to come out and strengthen numbers. 12th man is going to be available for us. We just need to stretch the field vertically and play our game. We have to solidify the run and we have to somehow come up with some explosive plays in the pass game. 
Uh, if, if we can do that, it, it, and and I, you know, that's not right the question you really asked me, but what, what we need to do this week is focus on Texas Tech. Hey, this is the next one, right? The next game, just another game, okay? We got to come out, and, and we got to whip ass. We, we got to play better than we did. We got to stack those games, and we have to play better. We, get, we, we have to do what we've been doing um, on the O-line front. D has got to come up big again. Hopefully our secondary can, um, you know, obviously we had a, a, a field day against Pitt, but we really got to stretch the field vertically if we want to have success because, you know, these guys struggled the, the first two games of their season. Last week they took care of business and it kind of looks like they're a little bit more on track now. So we really have to uh, stay on track and derail them at, at all costs. Wes, Zach Kitley structurally always has a nice plan uh mm -hmm. he's one of the up-and-coming young coordinators he's the newest branch of the air raid i think what you get with him he was a guy that was on staff when mahomes was there with kingsbury so he he has the pedigree he checks all the boxes as a texas tech oc <clears throat> he's an air raid guy through and through but he's more of an 11 personnel guy uh, he's more of a matchup guy he does love tempo but Again, interestingly enough, when when you think back to what he was doing at Western Kentucky, same type of thing, blistering speed, putting the football vertical, you know, big playmakers on the perimeter. A year ago, as I said, they averaged 84 snaps a game. Well, through three games so far, and that's kind of getting to the point that you have some frame of reference, right? Mm -hmm. Here we go back to that conversation about this, this new clock rule. They're at 74 snaps a game. It's not because he's pumping the brakes, right? They're playing the same style of football, guys. When I watch the tape, I still I still see the tempo. But they're they're down to 74 snaps a game. So that they're a rhythm-based offense. Last year, when you look at plays of 10 plus yards, if you want to run 84 snaps a game like they did last year, you're gonna to have to get a bunch of first downs in succession. So it takes a lot of 10 plus yard plays. So last year, they were averaging 17 of those a game. This year, it's down to 14. Again, you see the numbers kind of contracting, I think, in part, not because of their lack of playmakers, but because of the differences in the game. They they always say they have a basketball team on the perimeter. Same thing this year. You're going to see a couple 6'5 wideouts that can jump out of the building, make them plays all over the field. And then they got these scatter bugs playing slot. They got talented tight end. And then they got Taj Brooks at running back. So they got all kind of options. Now, this will give you another indication. They've already forced five defensive pass interferences. That's the most in the Big 12. So that, that speaks to the kind of challenge that they present for your back end. We talk about what's going on with West Virginia's back end appearing as though it's starting to come into its own. And dare we say, gaining some confidence. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Aubrey Burks the fearless leader of that group. We love what we've seen out of Beanie through three three uh, games as, again, some frame of reference. At the other corner, Malachi playing some brave football. You know, he's fearless. Don't tell him he's limited in skill. He just keeps coming and coming and coming. Beat him deep, he keeps coming back. I mean, that's the mindset you want at corner. You saw those guys really start to click, especially in the second half against Pitt. They're feeding off each other. They're believing in each other. It's going to take all that courage and more against an offense that no doubt, even if you check every box, even if it's mission completed, they're going to make a ton of plays against you. 
it's almost impossible to keep them from doing so. Now, if you do put them off schedule, they will put the football in harm's way. They've suffered six turnovers. That's not an aberration because, again, since Kitley took over last year, they have 25 turnovers, which is the most in the Big 12. <clears throat> They've thrown the most interceptions this year with five. So you're going to have some opportunities if you force the issue. One of the things I want to look at, we talk about this rotation that we're falling in love with along the West Virginia defensive line and the fact that we can go six, seven, eight, maybe nine or even ten deep. You have to pick your spots against a tempo team because they're not just going to stand still. They, they don't substitute as often as other teams offensively. And the way these substitution rules work, you guys know, if they sub, the officials will hold things up until we sub. But if they don't sub and they put the pedal down and they want to go six, seven snaps, well, the only way you, gotta, you can stop that is getting them off the field, right? Because otherwise you can't tap out. The D-line that's on the field has to stay on the field. You can't just say, hey, they're getting tired. We see hands on hips. Let's get three new guys in there. You're not going to be able to do that with the frequency against Texas Tech as you did in the first three games. You're going to have to pick your spots. You're going to have to be strategic about that. And you are going to have some opportunities from a D-line and linebacker standpoint to get after them. Uh, you, you can sack them. You can knock them off schedule from a TFL standpoint. Uh, they've allowed the most pressures in the Big 12, 39 pressures through three games. So it's not as though they're bulletproof. And the thing about it, when you look at the quarterback position, Tyler Shuck, a very battle-tested resource. He played a couple years at Oregon, was a very highly recruited kid, played a lot for Oregon, and then ends up transferring to Texas Tech. Now, he lost the job a couple years ago, and then last year he got hurt. And it wasn't until he got healthy and came back late in the year that they hit that hot streak when they won out with those four games at the end of the year, played that great bowl game. But now there's there's chatter coming out of Lubbock. Okay, are we happy with Tyler Shuck? Or is Tyler Shuck maybe ready for some Baron Morton to step in and see some of that? But either way, you're going to have a playmaker there. Now, Tyler Shuck does bear some responsibility for these pressures that I'm talking about. Uh, the, the numbers seem to suggest that <clears throat> about a third of the time that he's under pressure, it's on him for holding the football too long. And that's some of what you see on tape. Some of what you see on tape is he'll squeeze it, squeeze it, squeeze it. Instead of just firing that thing into the third row, he'll hang on to it, maybe put himself under duress when he shouldn't be. Likes to push the football deep. We talked about this last week with Pitt and Dracovic. Well, you're seeing the same type of thing this week. From a 20-plus yard standpoint, how often does he throw the football beyond that point? 47% completion rate beyond 20 yards. So that's those big-bodied wideouts, guys. He hits almost half the time when he puts the football downfield. They like to talk about the fact that last year they had three different 1,000-yard passers. Well, that's because they can't keep one of them upright. The, the last time they had one quarterback start every game was Mahomes in 2016. Mm -hmm. So it's all about protecting them. Uh, and, and again, last year – this gives you some indication as just how often they like to roll the dice on fourth down. Uh, McGuire really does see it as a four down game and not a three down game. They attempted 52 fourth downs last year. That was the most by an FBS team since the database that I like to use for that type of thing. It's cfbstats.com. That database only goes back to 2008 and they have the most fourth down attempts since at least as far back as that database starts in 2008. Now, WVU, again, if we continue to do some of what we have done, 
stopping people in the run game at or behind the line of scrimmage. From a stuff standpoint, we're right up there among the leaders. It's going to take that against Taj Brooks because they want to get lathered up. They want to get cranking. They want to go downhill. Uh, we also, and this is a metric that's kind of interesting. And what I like to do is take some of these metrics from multiple sources and try and corroborate it through film study. And when I can start to sense that, okay, I can trust or value what I'm seeing from the metric because I can believe the guy that was watching the tape, if I've watched enough tape to corroborate it, then I start to lean into the metric. Otherwise, some of these metrics guys are, I mean, I always say that I've considered for a long time, we almost need to get to the point we do a PFF lapper of the week because some of these things are so far off. I'm like, does nobody watch tape that's evaluating some of these things? But here's a metric that's interesting that I do have faith in. Again, I've watched with scrutiny all three of our games. Defensively, West Virginia has the second lowest broken tackle or missed tackle percentage in the Big 12. So that's obviously a good sign. We lead the Big 12 in quarterback knockdowns. It's those remember me shots that, that Jeff Castillo always liked to talk about. Jeff Castillo when always said, you ever take a test and you're trying to focus on it and get a good grade? Well, what if I come up behind you with a ruler and start swatting you in the back of the head? Uh-huh. You're going to do as well on that test. That's true. He's exactly right. If you can do that to a quarterback, it's going to have an effect. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. And uh, you're going to have your hands full with what Zach Kitley and this, you know, the plan that he's going to put together and the talent that they're going to bring to bear. But if you look at our defense versus those offense, their offense, we'll get into the other side here in a bit. But those are some of the things that kind of jump out at me. Well, I mean, Jed, like we've said, uh, big game by the D-line. Big game. Got to make it happen this week. Um, and like you said, I mean, you, you basically knocked on all the points, but expecting a big game from the D line, those guys have been getting it done and they just need to keep stacking. Uh, and, and, and honestly stack, we know our linebackers are going to play lights out. Those guys seem to just kind of be getting better every week. They're just really feeling it right now. And, and, and like you just said, the back end, we got to short up. We got to play tough. There's going to be, listen, there's going to be big plays made in this game from Texas Tech. They're going to take shots and we're going to lose some. We just got to win more than we lose. No doubt about it. And I want, one of the things I like about this, and we'll, we'll close with the offense here, Wes, and get your thoughts on it. And then we'll pivot over to the other side of the ball, the Texas Tech offense. But a, a year ago, when you haven't seen this type of tempo, which quite frankly, in the big 12, you used to see it every week. Sure. sure. It used to be very irregular on the schedule. That's yeah. not the case. anymore. I mean, the blistering speed that these guys try to go at, you don't see as often. So the first time you do see it, it's tough to react to it. So a lot of these guys are now battle tested. I'm going to give you some snap counts from that game in Lubbock last year and stop and think of what a central role some of these guys are playing that have now seen it. And this won't be their first time getting ambushed by Lee Coba played 85 snaps in that game last year. So if anybody has a taste of what that tempo is like, it's him. Aubrey Burks played 80 snaps. Malachi played 69 snaps. Marcus Marcus Floyd played 59 snaps. So these guys, even when Eddie V, 44 snaps, Mike Lockhart, 44 snaps, Jalen played, Hassan even played, Sean Martin played. So these guys have seen it before. Now it's a function of, all right, you spent the entire offseason 
studying this tape, learning from this tape, but more so than that, studying and appreciate the things that don't necessarily as much show on tape, and that's their tempo. Because we always said this when we played for Rich Owen, you can't truly emulate the speed of an up-tempo attack in practice. I mean, you can't do it as efficiently as you like with a scout team looking at cue cards. You just can't do it with the, the velocity that they do it. So the fact that we saw it last year in real time, up close and personal, I think can stand to serve us well this time around, let's hope. Yeah, I hope our conditioning's on point because it's they're going to need it. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's that's well said by you, Jed. And that's that's the nice thing about this, right, is, I mean, there's no – it's honestly, it's same church, different pew is the kind of the conversation we had about Pitt last week, right? Now – Pitt was the opposite, right? They wanted to run the football, run the football, run the football, make it muddy, make it a rock fight, right? This is different. This is on the other end of the spectrum, but it's this, I mean, same church, different pew in the sense of, you know what you're getting. There's yeah. there's no questions. There's no doubts. There's no clouds around the clarity of how the other team wants to play offense. It's, uh, it's brutally obvious. You've seen it, and hopefully you are uh, well-prepared and ready for it. All right, Jed, let's spin the block other side. What you got? Let's start with this. If you're looking for Oh wait, sorry, hold on real quick. One second. Yeah, just just wanted to thank just wanted to thank JR and our friends at Toothman Ford. We all know cars cost less in Grafton. Nobody supports our uh, students and NIL like they do there at Toothman Ford. So make sure you're getting your butt to Grafton for all your vehicle needs. Now, Jed, let's spin the block and go. Well, to the other we'd side. be remiss without jumping into the discussion about West Virginia's offense against Tech's defense without talking about the elephant in the room, which is the situation with Garrett. Yeah. Uh, it's being monitored daily. Uh, you know, Neil has said if Garrett appears as though Garrett can play his game, his style of football, then he'll go. If he appears anything short of that, Nico will go. So I would say Jed, that – Real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Jed, it's it's Wednesday. Yes. Okay, this is airing tomorrow, but it's Wednesday. How many reps has Nico taken? How many reps has Garrett taken thus so far? This week? All the first team reps have gone to Nico. And it's strange you say that on because yeah, this is Wednesday, this drops Thursday. Uh Neil has even said, Look, I have a rule. It's not written in ink that you either practice by Wednesday or you don't play. But again, it's not written in ink. There are exceptions. Okay? I get that. I'm just saying, obviously, yeah. Garrett's had the rep numbers. So he, un I mean, because. he he's 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 in the game. He's taking his mental reps yeah, right now. Right. Even though his, right. his, his wheel's banged up, I get that. If it was Nico's, um, you know, the, the, the role was flipped. Yeah. It's a little bit different. You don't have the, the PT. Right. You know what I mean? You're not, the That's preparation right. isn't there. But – the biggest thing that I know, and was it a high ankle? It's an ankle. Okay, so I, I have a little bit of experience with some ankle injuries. Uh, they suck, okay? And for a guy, you know, I'm not even putting myself in the same league as Garrett, but when you are a runner, okay, and you depend on, you know, your feet and that quarterback, you got to be able, you, you got to be mobile. It is very tough to make it happen on a bum wheel. It's just, I don't care if they're shooting it up or taping it tight. It, it's just not the same. Um, so I hope Garrett does feel better, but if he doesn't, hopefully Nico's ready to roll because I mean, this is his opportunity. 
I mean, it's it's dangerous to go otherwise. Because quite frankly, when you when you spend your life occupying the body that Garrett Green occupies, you're used to having an escapability under duress that that all of a sudden when you don't have it, you're going to get hit. Yeah. So his natural instincts can't serve him as well if he's not fully functional and healthy. But one of the things to consider there, guys, and again, this I, I, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. These are things Neil has discussed. But the way you break the reps down, the way they like to do it, 75-25. In other words, the starter gets 75. The, the number two gets about a quarter, okay? And uh, one of the situations to consider, what will this look like for the first time with Nico getting those starter reps at 75%? You can expect a much more aggressive plan than what we saw with him getting thrust into battle with a quarter of the reps from practice and Neil with a notebook out trying to scribble and figure out what Nico is comfortable with. Now, when you have a week with 75% of those reps to get comfortable and ready and get the timing down and really enhance things and say, here's our deep shot plays, here's our max protect plays, here's your quick answer throws, it opens the playbook up in a way that the situation against Pitt, Pitt simply didn't. Yeah. Uh, and, and here's why that's going to be critical, I think, right out of the shoot. When you look at, first of all, if you want a statistic or a series of statistics to kind of lean on and get some sense of what we're doing well, okay, we're protecting the football while demonstrating some level of balance. Now, what you've seen offensively, especially that that sluggish game against Pitt, wasn't for the time capsule just strictly based on the numbers. But through three games, we have not thrown a single pick, knock on wood. We've averaged over 175 yards passing a game and over 200 yards rushing a game. So when you put those three numbers together, those are numbers to build on. And one of those was with a backup quarterback getting asserted the fourth play of the game, fifth play of the game. So those are numbers to build on. No picks, over 175 yards passing, over 200 rushing. Only six teams in the country have done that. When you look at it, Oregon, Notre Dame, Penn State, Liberty, Duke, and West Virginia. Now, last time I checked, those other five are three and up. So you're on to something. I'm not saying you end the year saying, hey, those are the numbers we're going we're gonna to die with. No, that's not the case. It's something to build on under the circumstances with that young quarterback thrown into battle like he was last week. So I think it's going to be critical right out of the gate to have some level of rhythm offensively because here's what's happened in these four losses, guys. Uh, Neil was asked, hey, what threads these four losses together? What do they all have in common? And he's like, well, in all four, they moved the football on us pretty effectively. Well, that's true. But I would also say something else strings these four losses together. And all four of them, they jumped on us. And there's different versions of that. In other words, last year, it was 14-3 to after the first quarter. It was 17-3 to early in the second. We were playing from that trail position very early on and had to make some try and make some desperate things happen after that. Two years ago, they were up 17 to nothing in the second quarter in Morgantown. Uh, in 2020, they were up 13-7, to uh, you know, after the first 15 minutes of football. So they had to lead once again with, with Henry Columbia. All the way back to 2019 with Jet Duffy. I mean, these are the guys that have beat us. Jet Duffy, Henry Columbia. It's not Patrick Mahomes, right? They were up 21 to three after the first quarter in 2019. So what has that done with them having these early leads? Well, what it's done 
it's put us in behind, from a trail position. It's put us behind, and we haven't had, even though in two of them we battled back and almost made a game of it, in one case even almost won the game, you could argue in two cases. But we haven't been the balanced football team for the stretch of 60 minutes that we want to be. So we know how different we are when we're able to run the football versus not. And, guys, look at the rushing totals and the four consecutive losses to these guys. 73 yards, 2.8 yards a carry. 94 yards, three and a half a carry, 3.1 a carry, 2.8 a carry. Stop me when you see a trend emerging here. We've had no balance. We've been incredibly one-dimensional. We have to run the football. People like to talk about some of the success that we had years ago against Texas Tech. Like I think back to the 37 to 34 Josh Lambert game in Lubbock with the walk-off field goal. You know, that we were down 34 to 20 in the fourth quarter. Clint worked his magic. You know what I think of in that game, guys? I don't think of any of the things, first and foremost, what I just said. I think of the fact that we ran for 249 on them, and both Wendell and Russell Shell went over 100. We leaned on them for 60 minutes. People talk about everybody said Patrick Mahomes never beat us. He was 0-2 against us. Guess what we did in the two games against Patrick Mahomes that I've heard nobody mention? Ran the dang ball. Wes, we ran for 300 yards in each of those games. Yes, you're going to win a whole lot of football games. I don't care if you're playing Patrick Mahomes or Joe Montana when you run for 300 yards. You'll be playing Tom Brady. Your chances are much better. You'll be playing all all three of those guys at once, and you got a good chance to win. So we're going to need to get a fast start and not get knocked off schedule and not fall behind by multiple scores because that makes them even more dangerous than they typically are. And when you look at what they like to do, I've studied a lot of tape on Tim DeRuiter. Tim DeRuiter has been around forever. There's very few things as a D coordinator, as a defensive play caller that he has not seen. Uh, Go back. We'd like to forget this, but unfortunately I don't. In 1999, Navy came to town. We weren't very good, and Navy upset us 31-28 to 28 in 1999. Tim DeRuiter was Navy's defensive coordinator. I mean, he's been around forever and a day. I mean, he's had a lot of jobs, done a lot of things, defended a lot of, you know, high-octane offenses. Uh, he was a former head coach at, at Fresno State, but what he does on the defensive side, he makes you earn it. And what he likes to do more recently, it's, it's not a 4-2-5, as much as it is, if you can envision this, a two, four, five. And what makes it different? He has the two interior tackles and he'll play with their shades and their techniques and move them around. But at the same time, because he's traditionally he has a three man configuration, but again, more recent, he'll still run some of that. We'll get into that. But when you think of the, the two defensive tackles on the interior, they're very disruptive. They'll chop the front up and play games with them. But on the edge, Think of Tyree Wilson last year. He was one of their edge guys. There's a reason he was taken seventh overall in the NFL draft. Fortunately, there's not another Tyree Wilson that I can see on this team. They have a lot of talent, but that kid was a difference maker. But they have two guys standing in a two-point position. They don't have their hand in the dirt. Two edge guys that are upright next to those defensive tackles. Now, behind them, they have two interior backers. And what he likes to do is try and funnel things to those two interior backers. And traditionally, when you look at some of his defenses, whether when he was the D coordinator at Cal, whether he was a D coordinator at Oregon, you can go all the way back to 2018. 
He funnels things. We talked about how Narduzzi last week likes to spill things. They like to put speed on the field and spill things and make you run laterally and chase it down. What Texas Tech is going to try and do is funnel things toward those two playmaking interior backers. And that's why his linebackers typically rack up so many total tackles. They have these huge numbers. Back to 2018 at Cal, he had a pair of backers that both finished in the top five in the SBS, FBS and tackles. One of them was number two in the country, averaging 12 a game. The other one was number five in the country, averaging 11 a game. That's what he asked those kids to do. Fast forward to Oregon. He had a kid named Noah Sewell, who was a, who was a freshman. He had 114 tackles, number two in the Pac-12. He had a kid at Cal in 2019, Evan Weaver, uh, number one in all of FBS. This kid had 182 tackles playing one of those oh two interior. Yes. See what I'm saying, Owen? He funnels everything toward. Now let's fast forward to when he got to Tech with McGuire last year. For Sean Merriweather, who's been a nuisance to us for a while, he's gone. But he was number one playing one of those interior spots. And last year, he put up some big numbers with 112 tackles. He was among the league leaders there. The closest he's gotten so far through three games is this interior backer named Pierre. You'll see him wearing number eight. He's averaging a little over eight a game, but that's not quite where he wants this yet. So that gives you some sense of how they're still finding themselves defensively because they've got a lot of depth. They've got a lot of experience. They've got great corners who are playmakers. They've got safeties who understand the scheme. And I mean, one of their safeties has started 20 plus games. So these guys are very long in the tooth and they present a ton of challenges for you. And, and it puts them in position, guys. Sometimes when I'm watching tape, I always joke that, you know, when, when free safeties play deep enough, it's almost like they're playing defense with 10 guys, right? Owen, well, you'll sometimes see that at a tech. That free safety will drop 15-plus yards pre-snap, and then on the snap, he's, he's retreating. It's like they're playing defense with 10 guys. Well, the only way you can do that is if those guys are so experienced, they understand the nuances of the scheme and they can compensate for that in different ways. So these are some of the things that that they try and do. Now he will, as I touched on, sometimes toy with it and get into a three-man front. I mean, you'll see them, they'll, they'll sometimes kick out of a two-man into a three-man. In other words, again, envision if you're listening at home, you have the two interior tackles and they're, they have their hand in the dirt, they're in a three-point. And then you have the two edge guys that are in a two-point upright. Well, sometimes what they'll do is kick. They'll stem, Owen, before the snap, kick down into a three, three-man three front and have one of those edge guys put their hand in the dirt and go to a tackle spot or more of a true defensive end spot or vice versa. Sometimes they'll go from the three-man and kick into the two-man with the two upright defensive ends, the edge rushers. So they, they like movement. Uh, sometimes if they can get you in third and long, what they'll try and do is mug up those A-gaps by getting creative with those two inside backers. You'll see them drop the edge guys at times and rush just the interior four trying to overload you up the middle through those A-gaps. So he gets creative, but as anything, the more you get off schedule, uh, the more creative that defense is going to be. And and to that point, I, I actually ran some numbers. I was just curious. So I wanted to see from a third and long standpoint, how we're faring. Because right now we're struggling on third down at large. We're third and last in the, in the Big 12 in offensive efficiency on third down. And it seemed off because we seem to be winning on some first downs, right? Well, 
if you look at the percentage of third downs we face that are third down and seven or longer, okay, we have the fourth fewest in the Big 12. In other words, only 36% of our third downs are third and seven or longer. So what we need to do is do a better job of converting those third and intermediates. When it's third down and four to six yards, we're only, oh, and we're only hitting on 40% of them. That number needs to go up. When it's third and long, seven plus, we're one for 14 on the season. So, yeah, we're winning on some first downs and putting us in some slightly more favorable third downs, but that only matters if you can capitalize on it. Now, bear in mind, some of this, I always say, like Neil's very aggressive on fourth down too. So you have to accommodate that fact when you're thinking, like I do the same thing when I'm looking at Texas Tech's third down numbers. Sometimes these play callers who are four down teams might have a slightly lower number on third down because they think, hey, I'm playing for four anyway. I'm not trying to convert on third. I want a more manageable fourth. But that being said, I'd like to see us have a little more success on those third and intermediate situations. But the good thing about it is at least we're staying out of the third and longs. But guys, one of the things that I've noticed and offensively, when you look at what we're good at, look at what we're struggling at, look at some of the things we can improve at. One of the things I'd like to see us improve at, and quite frankly, it's, I think in part it's because we haven't had to play as much pitch and catch. That just hasn't been the nature of these three games. We haven't thrown that much. I don't remember our receivers making a tackler miss yet this year. Do you guys? I don't remember a broken tackle. I don't remember a missed tackle. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I've watched every every snap. Yeah. Several times. Okay. And unless I'm forgetting something, I don't remember now limited opportunities because we haven't thrown as much, but we're averaging over 175 pass yards a game. It's not like we're Army or Air Force. All right. We're throwing enough to throw for 175 a game. But I don't remember a whole lot of plays being made after the catch. Like, like even when you think of the Hudson Clement plays, those were more vertical outside release verticals. You get that, open, yeah. that type of thing. But it just in terms of, hey, you catch a slant and you make a guy miss, and the next thing you know, you got a big play. We have, or even on a perimeter screen, we haven't seen a lot of that quite yet. That's true. And that's something that needs to change. And that's part of how you address these third downs we're talking about. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing too is hustle. Those are hustle plays. Yeah, so right. not only are those, not only are we asking the playmakers to be playmakers, but when you're hustling towards the ball, as you should, if you're being coached correctly in my book, that's how I was always taught. Um, those plays start to happen, right? Cause somebody gets in the way of somebody, somebody makes a great block downfield. Those are, th those are just kind of like our same things in the run game a little bit. If we could get the downfield blocks sealed up a little bit better, you're going to see those explosive runs start to take place more and more uh, as the season progresses. But hundred percent, Jed, like we need, we need to make one guy miss and we, we need a little bit more hustle as far as getting and trying to make those plays downfield. Oh, well, let me ask you this. It, Wes, it's almost getting to the point where we need to find a sponsor for our stretch play outside zone segment of the podcast, right? Because yeah. it really is becoming, you know, one of the straws that stirs our drink offensively. And and who better to talk to about than, than a guy who ran it both incredibly effectively at West Virginia, uh, in the NFL, played for some of the legends of the game who coach it the best in the NFL and in college. Oh, and let's talk about this. You're facing a defense and what Tim DeRuiter, as we talked about, likes to do. He likes to funnel them, those things back toward those interior backers. 
So if you're running the stretch play, you've walked us through it so many times. You really have three real options. You can bounce it, okay? In other words, hit the perimeter, get the edge, and get outside up the field, okay? You can bang it, which means basically go vertical as soon as you see daylight or a crease, or you can bend it, which means go back towards the double team, cut under it, and get upfield. So let's think of what Tech's trying to do defensively. You would think when they're defending that stretch play, they want you to either bang it or maybe even bend it back inside. Mm -hmm. So how do you see that unfolding against the defense that's trying to do that? Well, obviously they're trying to get hat out. They're trying, you know, they're trying to funnel the plays back inside. So they want outside leverage. Yeah. Um, so in my opinion, sometimes I would take it upon myself if it was like a weak kind of outside hat as a fullback, I'd go chip that guy and make it an outside read. And then I'd move, then I'd look eyes inside you know, we'd spill the play outside. You're so saying chip I'm in. not saying chip that we're going to have that luxury. Okay. Huh? You're saying chip him outside shoulder. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying, so you got, you got two guys. So the whole point of the, the reads is if our lineman has the guy and we're seeing his hat on the outside, that's telling us, Hey, we got, it's, it's yeah. a bang, but yeah sometimes against a team that you know wants to spill you inside you might force a stretch play to bounce because what you would do is i would basically if i can get to the edge instead of them running um you know laterally across the line i would end up taking that read instead of inst not like not trusting my read at all okay and saying look i'm taking this outside so it might be a forced bet. It might be a forced bounce play where we're trying to force a stretch play outside, in order because we know those guys are trying to funnel everyone back in. And a lot of times, like what I was saying is, I see that hat on the outside, but it's uh -huh. a soft hat. And what I mean by that is, I just know personally that I can get there and I can chip that guy back inside, creating the bounce play. You know what we need to do? I want, what, what I'm going to do, I'm going to send to Skylar just a graphic that will give some people some indication as to what the X's and O's of a basic stretch play look like. And we'll put it on screen for those watching on YouTube. And we'll put it up during this conversation so they can kind of glance at it and get some sense of what you're saying. Because in my mind's eye, I see it perfectly, but maybe not everybody. I know. It, and it's hard, it, it's hard to kind of explain it a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can. But forward, yeah. A lot of people will get pissed and they'll say, golly, why are we running that stretch play all the time? Well, that's the beauty of the stretch play. It's not, it's not really one play. It's multiple right. plays within one play. There's, there's, there's three, four different reads inside of just, just the play itself. I mean, you have, the four reads that the running back or sorry, the three reads that the running back can make the bounce bang and bend. And then you have the uh, backside RPO with the quarterback where he can pull the bar. I mean, you have pull the ball. You you have four reads on that play that could potentially happen, which make one play turn into four or, or more than that. So yeah, absolutely. I'd love to, you know, chat all day about it and we can get Skylar. We can get some cool clips maybe. Uh, and try to just get people to understand it a little bit better. I mean, we've been running a hell of a lot of zone. 
yes. uh, stretch. So like we have plenty of clips. I it's just need to kind of go through yeah. and and kind of go through them. CJ is really good at knowing who he is as a runner. So there might not look like there's much there, but when he plants his foot, he is pounding it up in there and he'll find the seam. It might not be much or might not, it might look like trash, honestly, but he knows how to wiggle his way through there and pop for those really like the mid to high uh, yardage runs. Um, you know, this like the six to nine, he's so good at those. Even like they look four. like there's nothing there, and he's yeah. like, he just makes it kind of happen. That's kind of what we were doing against Pitt. We were three and four yarding them to death because, yeah, what, what here's where you're, you're completely right, Owen. Once you master that, you really can't be wrong. And it's almost like with a guy like CJ, uh, I've always said arm tackling him, you, you might as well be, you might as well be swinging pool noodles at that kid to try and bring him down. It's yeah. not going to happen. Now, the other consideration, and this is just about, the evolution of the game of football, defensive football. Here's one of the things that defenses are now doing. You talked about the backside read. So let's, let's hit them that real quick. And I'll tell you something defenses are doing. And it's something that Tim DeRuder will do. You'll have the quarterback place it in the running back's belly. And so just envision this as you're listening at home, the running back is crossing the quarterback's face to follow the flow of those blockers and make the let's read. Let's call it what it is, Jed. It's the mesh. Let's, let's let everybody know it's the mesh. Now, now that quarterback is reading that backside defensive end, backside of the play, but play side of the quarterback. He's staring right at him. So he's reading the defensive end. Now, if the defensive end crashes or chases the runner, the quarterback keeps it and bounces that thing outside on, on the perimeter on the other side. Now, if the outside defender of the five technique defensive end steps up field, he gives it. In other words, he's trying to block that guy with his read. So anything yep. that prevents the defender from making the play, he'll give it. What defenses are starting to do now, Owen, and you'll see Texas Tech do some of this, what they'll do is they'll pinch the five technique, forcing the quarterback to read, oh, I'm pulling it. And yeah. they'll scrape the backer over top to defend the backside keep by the quarterback. So – they're getting a little more savvy of it too, but something we saw them roll out against Pitt that we hadn't unveiled in a game quite yet. And here's why I think this is interesting. When you're on the stretch play, you're talking about when you were a lead blocker for Steve or Noel, you were a lead. Yeah. Blocker. Sorry. So, yeah. I'm, well, yeah I'm, I'm glad you said that Owen. And here's why. Did you see what we were doing with the tight end against Pitt? And it's the yeah. first time we unveiled that. We're taking the tight end from the backside, Cole Dixon or Trey, whichever it might be, Traylon Davis. So we're taking them from the backside, very short motion before the defense can accommodate for it. And bang, we're snapping the ball. Now they're the lead blocker to the play side of that stretch. So they would be basically assuming the role that you just talked about as the lead blocker. So if we're yes. going to pop that thing outside, it will be keyed off the block of that tight end that Mountaineer fans saw with that cross motion with the lead block and the stretch play last week. Yeah, because really based on flow of the traffic of the game, you know, it, it was kind of unspoken with Coach McGee. It was kind of like, you know, if you make it work, all right. We're good with that. Um, and like I said, that was just trusting your abilities. And that's how you could kind of manipulate it if it was like, you know what I mean? 
you know, they want to make it soft in the middle there. And that what I mean is they're trying to funnel everything back and be hard on the outside so they can spill everything back inside. So, you know, who knows what we'll do this week. That might be a big game plan where, you know, he tells them, look, this is a, you know, we're, we're bouncing this regardless. So I need you to go outside and I need to, I need you to basically chip that guy inside so that the uh, tackle can take him over. Right. And then basically now you're just looking inside to next available um, defender, but it, who knows? I loved the kind of cross motion stuff we were doing too. Yeah. And then really wearing it out. We were wearing the shit out of that play, dude. Yeah, and then cool. like, you know, dump ski for the tutty. Um, kind of, if you look back to the sugar or uh, Fiesta Bowl, when we played Oklahoma, we did some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I was at tight end, basically, and I was coming across the formation. Right. And, like, there were sometimes I was like, who do I even block? Because there's nobody even here because there's so much flow. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but that's the beauty of that play. Some people get wore out about it. And they're like, I don't get it why we keep running this. And that's 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 the whole point of it. You wear it out. You grind it out. You grind it out. And now you have a plethora of other stuff off of that play. There's Jed, so many- it's the, Jed, it's the it's the Denzel Washington and remember the Titans. That's exactly it's, right. It's Novocaine. Just give it time. Yeah. It always yeah. works. Yeah, okay. absolutely. There are so many different ways that this can unfold. It's like if you run – and and Owen, if you and I were to sit there and watch tape, we watch twenty stretch plays, and all twenty would be different. But maybe to the to you know the fan, they're thinking, well, why are you run that same play twenty times? Yeah. It's not the same play. It's just yeah. not the same play. There there are so yeah, many that's what they see on both sides of the ball. Yeah, yeah, that's what they end up seeing, and they get frustrated about. It. And it's like, buddy, that's the glory of the play. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's what sets up so much. Uh, in the past game and 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 more in the counter game if you want to run counters off of off of running that but um we've been doing very well at it and, and, and here's what i gotta say that's a credit to the o-line you know what i mean it's credit to the o-line it's credit to our running backs for really trusting their reads and 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 you know playing them out correctly because honestly when it, it when it's blocked to its best okay it's very hard to stop and that was slightly evident last week when we were just chipping those three to fives you know all game long and the only other thing i'll add to this is in in thinking about again structurally what tim deruder likes to try and do and that's push things back toward the middle Mm -hmm. because he has those playmakers let's talk about those fronts they're going to show more two-man based on what I've seen, then they're going to show three, man. What that means is, with those two defensive tackles, what that means is, by and large, with a couple of exceptions, when they are in that two-man configuration, Zach Frazier is going to be uncovered. So if you're running some sort of zone scheme, what the center is going to do is double down on the nearest defensive tackle with the guard and then climb to the second level. How effective do you think those linebackers might be with that playing out and potentially Zach Frazier being the one to climb to that second level and seal them. They're not going to be effective because Zach's going to absolutely punish them. I mean, he'll be maybe at the start of the game, they might make a few plays, but after he gets a hold of them, I mean, and starts wearing them out, 
that middle is going to start looking really tasty after a while because you're going to have that extra guy in there uh, to make those plays. And if there's anybody I want to be running behind on that offensive line, it's it's that middle crew right there, you know, especially Zach being the tip of the spear. So, you know, like you were saying, I mean, you'll see it develop and play out as the game goes on. And it might not hit up right away up front, but eventually that's going to keep going and keep going. And I don't care if you're the baddest mamma jamma at linebacker ever. When you got a guy who weighs 40, 50 pounds more than you, maybe 60, you're going to get wore out. Yeah. And, and, you know, if I'm Texas tech and let's say Nico goes instead of Garrett, they have to challenge us. And we program. still have it. We still have it on the, we still that's, have that. That's what I mean. Even if they Nico throw can resources, still run, even if they throw resources at us, trying to force Nico to win the game, if it's Nico, uh, yes, the wideouts need to make plays just like we talked about. But if you're running that stretch play, be very careful defensively because that second level can evaporate pretty quickly if you're throwing resources at the quarterback and we get outside on you with the stretch yeah. play. Yep. And a lot of times, like you were saying, how they'll have the defensive of end come down and that linebacker loop over yep, top, backside. that's super success, uh, susceptible to like quick slants and stuff over the middle because that basically uh, vacates that area there. So that's a whole nother part of the – the stretch deal, look, okay, if if this is the read you see, you see a double read here, okay, now, boop, we're just, we're, we'll dink and dunk real quick over top, and hopefully our slot guys can really have a, have a big game there too as well, but yeah, it's a, it's an it's an evolution, it's crazy, the games with inside the games. That is, it is, absolutely, well, it is. you're going to fill that void with some sort of route that's attached to an RPO piece. Yeah. I mean, every time we run the ball, just about every time, there is an RPO attachment to it, whether it's a quick screen, whatever it might be, but yep. Bad news for all of our listeners. You're just getting invoiced for this clinic on the stretch play that, that Jed and Owen put down, all right? So expect the bill in the mail, seven to ten business days. We expect you to remit payment within the next 30 days by the time we get to Halloween. No, that was great stuff. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. Um, we might have to do – maybe the, I'll add that to our list of off-season topics that we can still get on. We'll do a, a, a stretch play uh, a stretch play seminar here at some point, maybe in the middle. You know what? Maybe we'll do it in the peach lot when we have our little our little preseason tailgate party. Now we're talking. I like it. I like it. Can Big O, can Big o, can Big o work, the, can Big o work the smoker and the telestrator at the same time? I'm glad time. you said that, Wes. Hit our, hit our poll, which we're trying to figure out here. We're going to post a poll. Oh, yeah. So basically what we're going to try and do basis. is, um, and, and this will evolve. We'll get it polished up and everything. But you guys, if you're a loyal listener, you know we make our picks every week, right? Signal caller, beer truck. I pick defense of the week. Skyler picks the offense of the week. We're going to start getting you guys involved with that. So we'll put out a link uh, on our on our Twitter account in the Gun Podcast on X, I guess, as it's technically called now. I'm still calling it Twitter. I will for probably the next five years. But in the Gun Podcast on Twitter, on X, on whatever Elon Musk decides to call it this week, and we'll have a link on there for you, and you can pick your signal caller, your beer truck, your offense of the week, your defense of the week. If you get all four correct – 
we got some prizes. Right now we're thinking an Owen Schmidt rookie card, an autographed Owen Schmidt rookie card. Uh, we got some other possibilities. Maybe we'll do some merch giveaways eventually. Um, maybe we'll you get four out of four. You can you know you can get a shout out on the podcast. You do it multiple times in a season. Maybe you can jump on here with us for ten minutes and 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 we'll chat with you. Yeah, what we um, did but- real quick, Wes, is a buddy of mine, Will Gregory who's uh, way more dialed into the, the this side of things than I could ever dream to be. He he gave me this idea, and he said, hey, you ought to be doing something. You know that those picks you guys make, why don't you put a poll together? There are Google polls that you can – I'm like, dude, you, you might as well be speaking Latin right now. And he said, I can do it in five minutes. So he threw it together and texted it to me. He's like, how's this look? And I was that's like, great. Yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, so what we're going to do is we're going to put the link out. Thanks to Will for doing it for us. We're going to yeah, put the you. link out. You put your email in. You, you can do it each week. So yep. that's the name, video. name, that's email, right. four picks. That's all you need. And like that's I said, it. you get, you get four out of four. Maybe you get an Owen Schmidt autograph rookie card. Maybe, maybe you get a shout out from us. We'll continue cool, to evolve man. it. Owen. I mean, Owen's got a couple ITG hats with sweat wink rings around them. Maybe you'll get one of those in the mail. We'll, uh, we'll get authentic. it figured out here. We'll polish, <laughs> we'll polish it up. Uh, as we go along, but be looking out for that. Uh, be looking out for Phil Fridays on Friday. You guys know we, we got a lot of fun stuff. Uh, coming your way here we are pushing 90 minutes on this episode it's been a lot of fun but it's time to go a final thank you to our guy rick lewis and fortis for roof performance and financial security guarantee visit fortis.us.com and the one thing is always that we ask of you is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite wvu football podcast for our producer skylar callahan as well too chad drenning the signal caller owen schmidt the runaway beer truck I am Wesley Euler, the Toad. That didn't sound as cool as I thought. I'm thinking of like a <laughs> little like a toad the other day. I'm thinking of a I'm thinking of a little toad. I'm thinking of Frogger now, and I'm getting splat as I try and run to South Park to get my vehicle. Scratch that one. I'm Wesley Euler. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're checking out Phil Friday tomorrow and getting your butt over to Mountaineer Field 3:30 on Saturday as we finally get this uh, this Red Raider curse moving in the right direction and start off Big 12 Conference play with a W. Take care, everybody. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.